the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 485 for September 27th, 2015. iPhone upgrade plans get dirt cheap, Samsung offers to pay some of your device installments to switch over, and more about the brand new Band 12 for T-Mobile. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joy Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, T-Mobile has been offering one of the best deals on a new iPhone 6S or 6S Plus for $20 a month through its Jump On Demand program. But CEO John Ledger couldn't stop there. Ledger took to Twitter on Tuesday announcing that customers will be able to trade up to an iPhone 6S for as little as $5 a month. Starting this week, when you trade in your 6 or a 5S, the iPhone 6S with Jump On Demand will be available for $5, depending on the model and the trade-in device. Ledger notes that the monthly price depends on which model you're trading up to and which model you're coming from. But in the end, customers end up paying somewhere between $5 and $15 a month after everything is said and done. Customers who have already pre-ordered can take advantage of the trade-in as well. Uh, Though on Wednesday, T-Mobile provided additional detail about this program and uh, also made made it known that the 6S Plus is also part of the program. That starts at $9 a month. Now, if you want to upgrade your storage, here's where it gets interesting. So for every $100 that you put down on purchasing a phone, and that every $100 is for every tier that you go up in storage, the monthly price drops by $1. So an iPhone 6S at 128 gigs is $200 out the door, but then only $3 a month when you trade in an iPhone 6. So it's a pretty compelling argument for those that are looking to uh, get their upgrade here sometime mid-cycle. Now, uh, prior plans still available as well, meaning without the trade-in, you can pay that $20 a month for the 16 gig 6S. T-Mobile says the out-the-door cost of $0 for any 16 gig model and the full price of the 16 gigs uh, uh, iPhone 6S comes out to $523 if you remain a T-Mobile customer for 18 months. And uh, with that iPhone 6 trade-in, you can keep your iPhone 6S 16 gig after 18 months and pay just $254 in total. That's almost $400 less than the full retail price with a trade-in. So keep that in mind if you're they're basically offering you a pretty decent amount uh, to trade in a, a, an iPhone 6. And it, at the very least, it's uh, it's a fair price for a trade-in. It may not be the most that you can get out of it if you sold it outright, but it's still a very fair price. So keep that in mind uh, if you don't want to hassle with it. You can just trade it in and get a, get a device for them. Now, not to be outdone, Sprint also late in the week said that it will lease its iPhone 6S's to customers for just $1 per month. Customers have to meet several conditions to get the deal. Special lease offer available for a limited time only and only at Sprint retail stores. The $1 price is for the 16 gig 6S, of course. Leasing the uh, 16 gig 6S Plus will cost you $5 a month. Both prices are contingent upon customers trading in an iPhone 6. 64 gig 6Ss will cost $577 a month, and 128 gig model will cost $1053 per month. If you want to go to the Plus models, it's $977 and $1453 respectively. Those customers who trade in a 2013-era iPhone can lease the phone's for $10 or $14 a month, respectively, if you go for the lower-end storage models. Then on Friday, Verizon announcing a new plan for the uh, 6S and 6S Plus that will allow customers to upgrade every year without incurring extra fees. With Verizon's new plan, you get a 6S or 6S Plus uh, and make regular monthly payments just like the others, but after 12 months, you trade in your phone 
uh, while maintaining a similar payment. Uh, you can also choose to make 24 monthly installments uh, to own the device at the end of the 24th month if you decide that you like it enough. They claim the deal is better than those of the competitors out there uh, as they require you to turn in your device at the end of 12 months. Now, monthly payments for the 16 gig 6S are $27 a month and payments for the 6S Plus are $31.50 a month. Finally, Verizon's offering new customers $100 to switch over and new and existing customers can trade in their old phones and get up to $300 trade in for those devices. So um, point is the iPhone is really becoming very easy to dump and get a new model. It seems like it's almost like uh, you, you may as well just go plan on getting a new phone every year because there's only going to be one that comes out per year and you're going to probably be on an installment plan that allows you to get it. So some very interesting stuff there uh, from each and every one of the carriers this week i'm really surprised to see all the carriers doing this just because uh you know because apple's offering their own and i thought maybe the carriers wouldn't want to be uh you know competing along these lines but obviously they seem to want to yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's again comes down to the competition piece of it, right? And it's not just Apple uh, and the Apple devices, I should say, that are getting in on this action. We're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit later here. But the, it's it's interesting how you get to um, this point where, and it's just like anything else, is with the plans, it's with the contracts, it's you know, it's just competition. And if you've got one carrier that's doing it, the others are going to probably follow. Uh, we haven't heard anything yet from AT and T on what they're going to offer, but. Uh, chances are there's going to be something very similar to Verizon's deal that gets rolled out by them. I would imagine we hear that sometime this coming week or two. In other Sprint news, the carrier said that it will not be participating in the 600 megahertz reverse auction plan for next year. The company says its spectrum position is sufficient to provide current and future customers great network coverage. The insignificant amounts of spectrum, but much of it's concentrated in the 2.5 gigahertz range. That spectrum is good for capacity, but not for covering large areas. The 600 megahertz spectrum is is valued for its propagation characteristics, and that auction is scheduled to start in March of 2016. Freedom Pop on Tuesday announcing a new calling plan for owners of the iPhone. Owners of the 6 or 6S who activate the phone with Freedom Pop will get 500 megabytes of data, 500 texts, and 500 voice minutes each month for free. Now, as a bonus for signing up, new iPhone customers will also receive 5 gigs of free data to get started. Customers may also choose to upgrade to new service uh, at $19 uh, that new plan, I should say, offering unlimited talk and text and a gig of data per month. Freedom Pop offering new iPhone plans uh, with the first month free, too. So good news if you just want to check it out. The company plans to sell the 6S in October through its own financing plan. In addition, they will also be announcing the expansion of the UK Freedom Pop, whereas UK users will get 200 minutes, text, and 200 megs of data for free as long as they remain a customer. Freedom Pop will also award users in the US and UK with unlimited data if they take surveys, download coupons, and engage in other such activities. Freedom Pop is an MVNO selling access over Sprint's network in the US, though its calling and texting services are available over Wi-Fi uh, as well. So that's how they get away with giving you all of that free stuff. In device news this week, LG publishing a video on YouTube showing off a silhouette of a phone it plans to announce on October 1st in New York. The teaser shows the unconventionally shaped display with an extra section on the top. And uh, based on the video, it looks like LG will let users take advantage of the extra screen real estate for notifications and other content, though it did not provide any specific details about the new handset. We should know more about that this coming Wednesday. And Samsung said it will make monthly device payments for people who buy the new Galaxy Note 5 S. 
Edge Plus, S6 Edge, and S6 through the end of the year. Under the terms of the promotion, Samsung will be giving customers up to $120 in payments towards their new phone as long as they register with Samsung and buy the device through an installment plan with the carrier, or with their carrier. Uh, customers may also purchase a Galaxy smartphone between September 25th and October 9th and claim that promotion by October 16th. The device payments will be covered through the end of the year. Uh, and further, Samsung is also offering $100 in Google Play gift card credit for anyone who turns in a working iPhone 4S or higher uh, when they purchase a new Galaxy handset. Obviously, an incentive to help people get up and running on their new Android devices. So that's a pretty smart move by Samsung there. Uh, the offer available uh, on most wireless networks, the exception being AT&T. So again, Samsung trying to get in this game as well. I don't know what their installment plans exactly are, uh, but uh, we should be hearing more about those, I would imagine, soon as well. And Pebble on Wednesday announcing its Pebble Time Round. This is a round variant of its stainless steel smartwatch. The Pebble Time Round runs the latest operating system with features such as timeline and third-party applications compatible with Android 4.3 and iOS 8.0 and higher. The color e-paper display has an LED backlight and always stays on. The Time Round can charge quickly and the battery lasts for two days. It will be sold in five different styles with a variation of t- in 14 millimeters or 20 millimeter straps. The first straps will be made of leather, but Pebble plans to sell stainless steel straps as well. The watch is splash resistant, has a microphone for voice uh, replies and tactile buttons for navigation. The Pebble Time Round is available to pre-order for $250, but shipping times are listed at between six and eight weeks. And in other news, Apple is speeding up development of its electric car project, according to reports from the Wall Street Journal. Accordingly, Apple is giving a committed project label to and targeting 2019 as a prospective shipping date. To facilitate a faster launch, Apple will be greatly expanding the number of people working on that car. The go-ahead t- uh, came after the company spent more than a year investigating the feasibility of a car branded by uh, themselves as Apple. And the two groups uh, of government officials uh, were met with as as well in California. Now, leaders of this project, which have codenamed it Titan, have been given permission to triple their 600-person team, and people familiar with the matter also saying that they've been aggressively hiring for the car project, as well as stealing employees from companies like Ford, GM, Tesla, Volkswagen, and more. And many of the recent hires have expertise in connected and autonomous vehicle systems, so that makes it even more interesting. Wall Street Journal sources say the first Apple car uh, releases will not be driverless, and that the functionality may be coming at a later day, but they don't know. Uh, there have also been signs pointing towards the expanded work on that car project, though it remains unclear if Apple will develop the car from the ground up or team with an existing manufacturer. They're saying that the target 2019 date may not be the date where they actually ship the car, instead suggesting uh, it would point towards a date where the engineers may confirm the main features of the product, uh, though this is pretty interesting. Obviously, there's there's a lot of fodder back and forth about this. Tim Cook was asked by Stephen Colbert last week, um, you know, what was really going on with this thing. And he answered it with a, you know, unsurprisingly vague statement saying we're looking at a number of things along the way and we never put really put energies. Uh, we, we, we decide to really put our energies into those. So um, we'll see what happens uh, with this. But uh, interesting, nonetheless, to, to actually hear that this does sound like it's a viable thing that they're doing. It's not just, you know, something that they were testing out. It's really you know, strange to think about, uh, you know, the computer company putting out a car. Um, but then you take a, take a step back and we've seen a couple of new entrants, of course, uh, uh, you know, Tesla being one that's kind of, um, 
really, you know, kind of an unusual car company. They're doing things a little bit differently. They're trying to sell direct. Uh, that also could be where Apple really hits a big roadblock, uh, no pun intended, actually, about selling the cars because of this, you know, the, the model here in the U.S. We have to have these, you know, independent dealers selling cars, and it, it removes the manufacturer from the direct contact with the customer and, of course, removes servicing directly from the manufacturer as well. I mean, there's good and bad, but really today it's there's, there's a lot of negative uh, in there because not only is it another layer, but then the manufacturer themselves are represented uh, by a company that uh, may not actually be fairly representing the, the company. I know I've had lots of bad experience with dealers and I know it's not really the manufacturer's fault, but there's, there's nothing you can do except for change dealers and probably get another bad dealer as well. So um, that's something that uh, to me seems like a big hurdle for Apple to overcome. But uh, of course, on the flip side, on the positive side, think of how great the iPhone integration will be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and taking um, a different stance on that, uh, when you look at the Tesla model where they're selling basically at their own stores, branded stores and retail segments, uh, retail sites that are more traditional retail shopping centers versus, you know, auto lots, it uh, it's very... Uh, it's a very different type of model. You're buying a car like you're buying a pair of pants. And so that, I think, feels a little bit different to, to people. And people kind of dig it. Um, you know, the Tesla, uh, I'd say hurdle is the fact that they just, they don't have a price point that's attainable by 98% of the population. And so it doesn't make any sense for people to be going out and, and buying these. But, uh, you know, certainly they're going to get over that hurdle with the new Model 3, Tesla is. And uh, Apple, I think, is going to probably be coming in with a if if they do this right with a premium product just like everything else that they do and it's it's uh i would imagine it's not going to be a cheap vehicle no i I wouldn't think so because i I just don't think they can uh you know a small auto manufacturer can make a cheap vehicle really because they just do not have the economy of scale they don't have the buying power they don't have the ability you know even apple does not have that ability because it's such a different thing than what they're used to i mean uh, it, to, to me, it does seem like it's something that's kind of way outside their core competency as far as, you know, making electronic devices, computers. Um, but if it's something that's kind of a sub brand, uh, it, it may not be uh, it may not be that bad. Yeah. And I would uh, I would imagine that over the course of the next couple of years, we're going to hear just all sorts of like drips and drabs of rumors of this kind of thing. And some of it will be right and some of it will not. And, and ultimately, we're going to have a lot of fun following it because this is great stuff here. I mean, talking about cars and potentially that Apple is going to have a device, uh, you know, that is on four wheels. I, that, I think that's just not just because I love Apple stuff, but I think, you know, from a, a technology perspective, I, I like it. I, I dig it. I think it's really interesting. I think Google is in the same, you know, in the in the same world here of if they could come out and when they do come out with something, it's going to be just super interesting for us that love technology. Yeah, it could be. I mean, in, in the way Apple goes about things, I mean, uh, a lot of their devices have been kind of expensive, but um, to some regards, they seem to have a little bit higher quality. And obviously, they have a big, uh, you know, fan following, and, and they seem to do things, you know, fairly, uh, you know, fairly correctly. And it really could shake things up. I mean, we've seen the the, the what was it like the the Fisker Karma, which I just saw one of those yesterday. Very strange. It was just mm. parked on the street. Um, it, you know, they had the big, huge screen with a lot of technology integrated, but it still seems difficult for every car manufacturer to get kind of the technology in the car uh, right and to get that interface. 
to be, you know, easy to use. It's always, it always seems to be difficult. And that's one thing we're, we're still just kind of waiting to see happen here to make it easy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about uh, cars and, you know, probably very much the same way you do, where it's, it's more than just a, a utilitarian device. This should be something that's an enjoyable uh, mechanical piece of equipment that you get to um, you have the pleasure of driving and, and there, there are certain times when that we all have them, especially if you're a commuter where, you know, driving just is horrible, right? You're sitting in traffic and it's just very unpleasurable, but it's at the same time, it's such a, it's such a, you know, I'd say a freedom inducing experience in general and to bring in other pieces to that experience with technology that make it all the better, I think are just wonderful. I mean, it's stuff like Bluetooth. I mean, Bluetooth was, uh, you know, something that we had around for a while and all that we were really doing at one point was putting it in a headset that you stuck in your ear and now it's in vehicles and it almost feels like how could you not buy a car without bluetooth in it anymore especially with the laws that are out there but and it's more now it's more than just calls right i mean now it's you know you can stream all your music you don't even have to plug it in uh, your phone in in order to make it work and uh or whatever sort of audio that you're wanting to do and it's it's just and it's just one small example of of how technology has just kind of changed the way that we are interacting with our vehicles and and with Android Auto and also, you know, Apple uh, uh, Car, whatever it is, CarPlay or whatever it's called. What's it called again? I think it's CarPlay. Yeah. CarPlay. Yeah. I mean, it's you're that that's a you know, that's an interesting thing. But let's let's take that a step further. So uh, either way, I, again, rumors. Right. We're still three years plus out on this thing. And so we're going to hear a lot of stuff about this. But long and the short of it is we could see some really cool stuff, including a car from Apple in not too distant uh, future here. In software news uh, this week, Microsoft's Garage Lab released a productivity application for the iPhone called Invite. Invite is an iOS first application that sets out to simplify the process of inviting others to meetings. The process is straightforward. Organizer picks a time that works for him or her and invites potential attendees through their email address. Attendees will get an email or notification if they have the Invite app installed and can respond to the times that work for them. Once all the invitees have responded, the organizer can pick a time that works for the largest group of potential attendees and sets the meeting from there. After the meeting time is set, it's added to the respondents' calendars. Microsoft says invite will work best for those on the Office 365 subscriptions, but also functions with Gmail, Outlook, and Yahoo Mail, available for the iPhone first, followed by Android and Windows Phone. To me, it seems like a problem really not worth solving here. Obviously, just selecting, you know, a number of times over email uh, and uh, it works fine for most of us in the world. But I guess if you're doing this a lot, maybe it's something that I just is, is lost on me. But either way, uh, free if you want to check out Invite from Microsoft. And Google this week made its Keep note-taking application available for the iPhone and iPad. Using Keep, iOS users can add notes, lists, photos, and audio files to Keep and organize or share them how however they see fit. Uh, Keep lets people use colors and labels, set it and forget it reminders for tasks, transcribing of voice memos directly into notes, and Keep also able to read and text the text contained within images for cataloging, cataloging and searching purposes. It's free to download from the iTunes App Store. Starbucks expanding the availability of its mobile ordering feature to all 7,400 company-owned stores around the U.S. this week, as well as making it available to Android device owners for the first time. With mobile order and pay, customers can order and pay for food and drinks from Starbucks on their smartphone. The service supports customizing drinks with special ingredients, and the app automatically selects the nearest Starbucks store. The people can select the preferred store as well. Mobile ordering is also available and selected 
select markets and has been there since last year, but is spreading to additional locations. Starbucks says uh, the support for mobile order and pay will have shorter lines, faster service, and more efficient operations in the stores. The app is free to download from the iTunes App Store or Google Play Store. And Google on Tuesday updating its Gmail application for Android devices with several new tools. First, you can now block specific emails, uh, email addresses with just a few clicks. An email from block senders goes now straight to the spam folder. Senders can also easily be unblocked if needed. Uh, so also Gmail can use, users can easily unsubscribe from unwanted newsletters via the application. And the updated app is rolling out to Android users over the next few days. Gmail's free download from the Google Play Store. And the iPad Pro is scheduled to be released sometime in November, but if you're an iOS Office application user, the 12.9 device will have to have a paid subscription from Office 365 in order to uh, be used for editing of Office files on the tablet. So while the iPhone and current iPad can edit Office files for free, Microsoft has confirmed that the larger screen on the iPad Pro means that the tablet exceeds the 10.1-inch limit for a true mobile device, and thus the Office 365 subscription is needed for editing files on Apple's next tablet. Now at the moment, the end-user license agreement for the Office iOS apps does not mention the screen size restriction, but it is likely Microsoft will update that before the Pro is launched. So that's interesting to keep in mind. Uh, Apple on Monday releasing Watch OS 2 after a bug last week forced them to delay that launch until after the planned 16th of September launch was missed. The OS had support for native applications, a nightstand mode for alarms, and the ability to respond to emails. Watch OS 2 includes new watch faces, photo album, and time-lapse options, third-party complications, a tweak that makes the screen stay on for up to 70 seconds when activated, and activation lock. There's a new time travel feature for viewing past and upcoming events on the watch face complications. An improved operating system is free uh, to download, as uh, most of them are, and install to all watch owners. Uh, this must be done, if you haven't done it yet, while your watch is connected to the charger, so don't plan to do this if you're uh, out and about and you don't have your charger nearby. So since you have an Apple Watch, what did this uh, you know what did this update represent to you? I mean, there's obviously a lot of features built in there, but depending on your usage, to me this seems like maybe this wouldn't really even do that much for you. Well, you know, it's interesting because as I look through those, um, support for native apps, I don't think I've got a single native app on here yet, although um, I'm also a pretty lean person when it comes to using apps. Uh, I don't use nightstand mode. I've already got a, a nice um, iPhone dock, uh, alarm clock dock that I use, and so I don't need another alarm clock. Uh, but the ability to respond to emails is huge. I responded to probably a dozen over the last week. Um, I just it seemed to be using it quite a bit. And it's mostly be just ones that um, where I'm just kind of in the middle of doing something. I'm like, I have to get something out to somebody like right now. And I can easily do it. And I don't need to be thinking or editing or anything like that. It's almost like stream of conscious just res respond to someone very quickly. And so um, I have responded to a number of them. I was uh, I was out and about yesterday. I was walking around downtown and just responding to emails on the watch. It was really convenient. And that's, you know, via Siri, right? And right. whereas before you could only pretty much just read it, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then you could, you know, archive it or uh, those about it, mark it as read. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot you could do. So uh, yeah, so it's all done through Siri. There are some canned responses that do show up. I have yet to use those. I always just dictating something. And even if it's something relatively simple, you know, I say, you know, thank you very much, comma, appreciate 
your work on this period type of stuff. I mean, it's like, and I, I've just kind of been doing that with Siri for a couple of years now, so I'm very comfortable with it. So it just makes all the sense in the world to be able to do it over the watch. So uh, that's very handy. Um, I, so it, as a result, I've started opening the mail application more. It's more than just the notifications because I've actually like started to use the, the mail in there. And um, it, it seems to it seems to work okay. I mean, it's still not ideal for major things, but if it's just real quick, you know, triaging and stuff like that, it does work really well. Um, have not used any watch faces. I'm pretty standard. I've got I think it's called Simple is the watch face that I'm using right now, or Utility. Sorry, I'm using Utility. Uh, and as a result, I have not added any additional fa- uh, complications to the face. I'm just using the ones which which is weather, uh, sunrise, sunset, and the calendar on there. Um, and I uh, did not change the time that the screen stays on and I haven't locked it via the activation lock. So it hasn't really changed a whole lot for me as far as except with the exception of the email. So that, that's about it. I, stability wise, it seems to be about the same. I've reset it, I think once in the last couple of days, I, uh, I, I ended up re- resetting all my stuff all the time anyway, because if one thing or another starts to get weird, I, it was, uh, uh, it was iMessage actually was the one that screwed up for me today. I was, it was you, Joey. I was trying to send you an iMessage and ultimately it made me send it as a text message. Do you remember that one that came? Yes. Through? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the only way that the message would come through over the watch. So it would just kept failing over iMessage. So I ended up resetting the phone. And then after that, I was able to message you no problem over iMessage on the watch. So there you go. Um, but yeah, so good news there. I guess that we've got this update now. Um, also updated from Apple this week, uh, iOS uh, 9 was updated to 9.0.1. Minor release, obviously, just a week after 9.0 was released. Several bugs found in the initial release were fixed. Uh, this can be done over the air or, of course, downloaded. Also, um, Apple made iOS 9 dot one in the second beta available to developers and also to those in the public beta so question to you are you running that still and did you get this yes yes and yes so i installed that both on the ipad and the iphone i discovered a weird little thing that uh, as of right now here app updates are seemingly out of control like literally every time i open the app store on the device there's 30 some apps that need to be updated and I've been kind of uh, doing it via iTunes, where I let iTunes download the apps and then sync them over to the, both the iPad and iPhone. But uh, it seems like with this uh, 9.1, that doesn't actually work right now. When it says, you know, syncing apps, it just skips right over them. So I don't exactly know what happened. It could be related to this app slice thing that they uh, disabled this week. So um, I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but uh, I'm sure they'll get it uh, fixed up. Because actually, I discovered when I was using 9.1, and trying to back up and restore devices, the iTunes didn't handle the apps like they typically do. Like like when you do a backup and restore via iTunes, it will install all the apps for you. But for me, it actually did not do that. It went, it, it, download, it, it restored the data for the apps, but left all the apps off. And then they had to get all the apps from the iCloud in order to uh, do that. Interesting. Uh, that's, let's talk just kind of briefly about this, this app slicing thing. So what basically, what basically happened is they disabled the ability for users to only download the portion of the application that pertains to their particular device. So you now have to download the entire universal or full version of the app in order for it to function properly. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen as uh, years have gone on here. Well, originally we just had iPhones. Uh, that was great. And they were all 3.5 inch screens. So there was just that one device to, uh, to program for, and there was an iPod touch as well. That was great. And then, uh, um, then we, we added iPad apps and those were separate iPad apps completely. 
And then all of a sudden we had this uh, universal app. It was amazing. You could, you know, buy and sell one app that was, uh, that you could install on both iPhones and iPads. And it contained all the graphics and everything for both, you know, the two different screen sizes, essentially, you know, that's it, just two. And since then now we've gone, you know, we jumped to the, the four inch screen then the 4.7 and the six and the, the double resolution and the, 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 the retina and the non retina. And then we have the iPad non retina. Now the retina this, and then we've got smaller. I mean, it's just exploded. So now all of a sudden the app sizes have exploded. So now, uh, you know, Apple's trying to save space by, uh, doing this where you can get apps, just the portions that you need. Yeah, right. So, um, either way, well, the app slicing will be coming back. Uh, it's just a, they got to re, you know resolve the bugs, and then we'll go from there. So, well, well it, it, I don't know when that's going to be, but it should be soon. And the big the, the issue was was they were finding people were backing up their you know iPhone five or whatever it may be, and then restoring it to an iPhone six uh, because of the the change in screen resolution means that it needs different. Uh, needs the different uh, assets for those apps, and it wasn't restoring the proper assets. It was restoring the iPhone 5 assets for the smaller screen and not the the, the, the 6S or the 6 assets. Hmm, that's interesting. It seems like that would have been something that would have come up in the process of increasing the screen size because it's now been two three different screen four different screen sizes in the last uh you know 26 months so you figure they would have had this thing figured out you would think but uh, it was also issues with the uh 64-bit and 32-bit processor as well where it wasn't uh, downloading the code so the app wouldn't run even at all yeah well uh either way um you know 9.1 is out for those that are in the public beta otherwise the rest of us like me 9.0.1 and uh running just as uh I'll just say moderately stable <laughs> as as I would imagine it would be at a 9.0 something. So there you go. Questions and comments this week. Uh, first is a comment from Vincent. He says, Mickey and Joey, uh, being a longtime T-Mobile customer, I know a little bit about their service. Listening to your recent podcast, I heard a listener explaining that he had service where uh, he uh, where and where he didn't. I also have the iPhone 6 and a new Samsung Galaxy S6. The newest LTE low band 12, which T-Mobile is current rolling out, is not supported by the 6 or 6 Plus, but it has been added to the new 6S and 6 Plus, just to make sure everyone understands that. All the other LTE bands are supported on the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. Um, saying that is just so happens, my family has a vacation home in New Hampshire on Lake uh, Winnipesaukee, which is the next town over from Wolfboro, where the listener was saying that he had no T-Mobile service. So here's the thing. T Low band 12 has been up and working great on my Samsung Galaxy S6, which does have the new low band 12. The Note 4 also supports that low band 12, and it has great LTE service in this area. Now, as, I've, uh, as I said, the new iPhones have added this very important low band LTE radio. It reaches much further, and it has in -house, inside house penetration. This is another reason t-mobile service is getting so good they're rolling out band 12 like gangbusters along with upgrading their other towers so t-mobile is just about everywhere now my service is fantastic i've never stuck with t-mobile to save money but where i live and t-mobile has great service and my data speeds are very fast i live in suburb the suburb of boston um, and i've had all of the other carriers i chose t-mobile for their service i just ordered the new 6s plus with 128 gigs of storage and i'll have it on the 26th many people hear t-mobile and think of their past problems it's a different carrier now. Their service is better in many areas uh, as the big two are. 
um, and it not as good in others, just like all the other carriers. But I would never own so many new devices and be dumb enough to waste my time on lousy service. I just wanted to drop you an update on it and just to let you know that it is uh, not only a good carrier, but the best USA carrier. T-Mobile, and this is what I think of them. P.S. I listen to your show weekly and enjoy it. I had to buy the new iPhones to go along with my Android devices because your podcast is geared so much to iOS. Just kidding. Keep up the great work. Long-time listener, Vinny. Also, P.S. I love your app on the iPhone and iPad. Well, sorry about the iOS geared. Unfortunately, it's kind of what we both have now, so it's what it's a little bit easier to talk about it. Um, but going back to the, t- the you know, it was a good point in there about the, you, you purchased your wireless service, uh, you know, your, your carrier based on the service, and you really need to do that. Uh, don't try to pinch pennies because, you know, the, the, the price is definitely competitive with T-Mobile, but if your service isn't working with either them or any other carrier, you're not saving money. You're just wasting money if it's not going to work for you, you know, where you live, where you work and in between. So you really do have to try to pick the best service that you can. Yeah. And I mean, this is, I mean, I'm about ready. This is what I call my 90% rule. And I'm about ready to, you know, have a, a, a sandwich of my own advice, which is I need to figure this out because, um, in my office right now, um, since we moved here and it's been five months or something and the service is just not acceptable. Um, and it's, it's starting to drive me crazy. Uh, and you know, I've got Wi-Fi there. So, you know, in today's world, you're kind of, you, you, most of what you do is uh, data. And so if you've got good Wi-Fi, you can put up with lousy service from time to time. But um, with, you know, we just, you get calls and dropped calls, just it's like unacceptable at this point, basically. And it's, uh, it's really starting to drive me crazy. And so there's, uh, I know the T-Mobile service is, is decent uh, where I work. And so I need to figure this out. Uh, and t- they seem to be the one that uh, I want to make the, the switch to just because they've got the, you know, they, they, they do seem to have really good service here. I've done a lot of research on it and they seem to do, um, to have a great coverage in the Washington market. In fact, they rank higher than Verizon in many regards. And so um, it's, but again, it's all about where you are. Verizon is still ranked very high. In fact, it's number two. And so you'd say, well, that's probably pretty good. And I'm telling you, just in the areas that I spend time, uh, and for those that are familiar with it up in Montgomery County, um, it, it's it's just not where I need it to be. So, uh, but anyway, Vinny has just kind of put in, um, I, I forwarded this, the email from Vinny to my wife. And it's like, I just keep building the case. It's like, we're going to switch. I, I'm telling you, we're going to switch over and it's all these people are just you know and all these things that are they've done it it, everyone loves them that uses them uh for the most part so uh, thanks, Vinny, for that. I appreciate the uh, the commentary there very much. Next one here, a comment from Elsa. He says, she says, recently I was traveling and roaming with my cell service, uh, which is U.S. Cellular, and, and I was severely throttled. I had to get uh, to websites to assist my mom with no Wi-Fi and a bunch of things, and it was constantly timing out. I feel the extreme uh, tracking and loading of ads and that didn't understand low bandwidth conditions was a major part of the problem. I have ad blocking turned down now for that reason. Uh, also, the throttling problem did not get better when I was at the hotel with Wi-Fi on when I got back home to LTE. Um, I, I found I called and I found out that once throttling is set, it remains on for the rest of the billing cycle. And uh, she said that uh, the agent said that the other carriers do this too, that uh, they don't know when you leave roaming status. And so they just keep it, uh, keep it throttled down there. And meaning that whenever your phone is, um, you know, basically they, they don't choose to change that. So that's an interesting thing, Elsa, on the, the throttling thing and, and just how your phone was functioning. But it sounds like you probably maybe hit a cap or something too. I'm it, not sure. Yeah, because I know a lot of the carriers have like a 300 megabyte limit for data roaming. Um, but I don't know if they actually throttle, uh, if they throttle you down and permanently. So that would be one thing I, I would suspect maybe the other carriers don't do. But 
uh, it's tough to say because I haven't actually had that problem. I haven't uh, had any data roaming for, gosh, just uh, years and years now. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I don't see, um, uh, I, I don't see myself ever on roaming. Um, I, it's like once a year or something like that. Um, so <clears throat> it's very infrequent, but, uh, uh, either way, uh, sounds like, uh, hopefully something once you get to the next billing cycle that will all be resolved. And finally today, a voicemail from Ben. Hey guys. Yes, it is. In fact, Ben Forrest one more time from Red Bank, New Jersey, two weeks in a row. But I did warn you last week that I had I was in the queue for a 6S um, Plus, and I got it, and I've got it now for 48 hours. And um, first impressions are, I like the 3D touch feature a lot more than I thought I was going to like it. So it actually is a big feature in the uh, S. Also, it is friggin' fast. It is very noticeably faster than my 6 was. I had a regular 6, not a 6 Plus. Um, also, there's been very few problems, fewer than I anticipated with iOS 9 on it. Um, I, the way I did the migration was I used um, the uh, iTunes because I have a large, I have a really large music library. And so uh, I upgraded my 6 to 9 just before doing this. I also upgraded all the apps on it to 9. And then after all that was done, I uh, took this phone and connected it. I actually did it the night before because I knew the phone was coming. Um, so everything was sort of in, in the 9 universe when I transferred it. And the only update it did was the 9.1 update that they have for the 6S. Um, and it's pretty much run flawlessly. Um, Siri's very impressive now. I mean, the improvements are very palpable. Um, and also, uh, the camera is noticeably better. I don't agree with some of the reviews that didn't really notice any difference. I use a camera a lot. I do a lot of photography. And um, I do it in non, in sort of indoor conditions and poor lighting. And I definitely see noticeably better results under those circumstances. I haven't tested it a lot outdoors, but I did test it Friday night at a game club I belong to. Anyway, thanks. Um, take care. I look forward to more of your podcasts. And I will call in or write in with a more thorough review after I've had it for a week or two. Ben, thank you very much for the voicemail. Uh, great to hear that you got your device and uh, everything is uh, up and running. And uh, thanks for the the mini review here of the the last forty eight hours. Good to hear just how well everything is working. And you know, I I've read a lot of the reviews, and um, I, you know, I I've heard kind of some of the back and forth. Obviously, it's you know, you see some of the reviews that are just very glowing about them. And you know, I've had iPhones for years, and this one is the best one that's ever come out. And so, of course, it's great in every regard. And some kind of say, well, it's not as good as you know others are saying and and so a lot of it is going to be just kind of in the the eye of the beholder right uh, no pun intended because especially when you're talking about the pictures and how much better you think it is uh, the camera is but of course it is a better camera so certainly there are going to be a lot of conditions where you're going to see better pictures yeah, and I don't know if we talked about this last I can't remember now you know this these upgrades that Apple have, uh, has been doing you know they're just very consistent in and it is kind of nice because, you know, I have an iPhone 6 and, and yes, the newer phone is the best one they've ever made. It is, you know, better, but it is a little bit heavier. I mean, there is, it, there's a little bit of a, a, a drawback to it, but um, it, it, it doesn't completely obsolete the iPhone 6 and it doesn't really completely obsolete the 5S. It still has a good camera, still has, you know, great service. You don't feel like you you have to run out and buy the the 
the brand new iPhone. But um, but when you do want to get a new phone, you, you definitely lean that direction because you liked the one you had before that. So, uh, you know, I, I do kind of think the model of them, you know, doing these, these real pretty slow and steady updates are it, 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 it really does seem to be working for them. Uh, obviously people are continuing to buy them and uh, you know mid-cycle here now is where it kind of gets really interesting is how many people had skipped the 5s and decided that they didn't need to go with that they just went from the 5 to the 6 and now we're seeing this one and going maybe I need to go back to mid-cycle here now you know and, and especially if you've got a, a plan where you can pay a certain fixed amount and get the new device and I don't need my old device you can have my old device whatever give me a new phone great and then move on and and uh, do the same thing next year i mean they've got a, a model built in where um i think is is going to help them you know kind of recreate a revenue stream for buying new devices and uh that is i think a great thing for for the consumer who wants to have a new device every year and is willing to come up with the carriers are willing to come up with a program that is going to spread that cost across um, the, the months in a way that makes sense for the consumer. And if I don't have to sell my device, if I can just give it back, that makes it even better. I don't really care to if whether I lease it or I own it or whatever. I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time that I actually felt like holding on to a phone for more than two years. It was like, this is an outdated piece of technology. Get this thing out of here. Give me something new. Uh, I've got no sentimental value to it. It's just a phone. I've had literally over a hundred of them. So there's, there's no reason I need to hang on to this. No, there isn't. And, and also they can be sold or reused. Uh, and it's also one thing when you're a real heavy user, you actually do want to kind of stay uh, stay up with the technology because it just responds quicker to you. And that's really about all you can you can boil it down to that where the, the better the better pictures, which you use it primarily for and the faster processor that just makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's. It, I was watching a video uh, just before the show where someone was showing just how good having two gigs of RAM in the device is now, and they loaded like I don't know a dozen or fifteen web pages, and the the six was just sluggish as can be, and the success was just popping right along. It didn't have to redraw any of the websites. It was fantastic. Yeah, I see that with the iPad Air two. It's uh, drastically better. The the memory makes a big difference. I mean, but it's double. I mean, it's doubling the memory, and that's uh, it, and that's Huge. pretty impressive. What they did with the the success that they put the two gig in there, I was actually pretty surprised at that. Yeah, well, it uh, it's making a big difference, and it's among many other little tweaks that they've made. Have made it for a much faster, better experience, and I guess that's you know obviously what they're going for here. So, kudos to them for figuring that out, and thank you, Ben, very much for calling in uh, with your comments. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Email them like Ben did to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. If you'd like to just do it quick and dirty, send us uh, or give us a call and leave us a voicemail six five zero nine 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 zero five two four. Again, 650-999-0524 and leave your message there and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.